Well, today we come to chapter 7 of the book of Exodus. So please go ahead and open your Bibles up there. Exodus chapter 7. And of course, we studied chapter 6 last week, and I also went into chapter 7 and actually discussed the first six verses. But today I'm just going to go ahead and... uh, Go back and start chapter 7 afresh, um, as if we didn't even look at it last week. So let's go ahead and jump on into Exodus chapter 7, verse 1. So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. Now let's pause right here and Let me tell you that the word God there, as you see it written in verse 1, is the Hebrew word Elohim. Um, It is a plural word meaning, um, and it speaks to more than one. It takes on the meaning of rulers, judges, divine ones. So to Pharaoh, this is how God would have Moses and Aaron be seen to him. They would be in Pharaoh's presence as mere men, But to him, he would see them as rulers, judges, divine ones. So Moses and Aaron will receive some respect from Pharaoh. God himself will make sure of that here. So here in verse 1, God is again establishing something, though, as it pertained to the way in which he was going to work through Moses and Aaron. And we've been seeing a lot of that. God is having to reassure Moses and let him know, hey, it's going to be me that's doing this. I'm the one that's doing this. And he's kind of establishing something with them now. Hey, here's how Pharaoh is going to view you guys as you stand before him. Now, if you remember, though, we saw back in Exodus chapter 5 and verse 2, where Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. That's what Pharaoh said. So he was very calloused in regards to the Lord. He could care less about the Lord because he didn't know the Lord. But through Moses and Aaron, it would be as if God himself were standing in front of Pharaoh. Moses would be God's main man, and Aaron would do the speaking. Let's read on. Verse 2. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron, your brother, shall speak to Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. So again, what we see here is that God has an order that he is establishing with Moses and Aaron. God speaks to Moses, and Moses speaks to Aaron, and Aaron speaks to Pharaoh. Now again, keep in mind, as I've mentioned for the past couple weeks, that this is not how God has spoken to us in these last days. It's not the way that He speaks to us today. I've brought up to you for the past couple of weeks, Hebrews chapter 1, where we are told that God has in these last days spoken to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. In times past, He spoke through prophets. He spoke in various ways. And one of those ways is how we see him working through Moses and Aaron right here in chapter 7. But we no longer need a prophet between us and God today. We live today under a new covenant found in the New Testament of our Bibles. If you remember Jesus when 
sitting down at what we know of as the Last Supper. He took bread, he blessed and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. So Jesus established something new. He established a new covenant with mankind, a covenant that had nothing to do with earning acceptance with God, but rather had to do with Jesus providing our acceptance with God through the shedding of his blood. And we're told in 1 Timothy 2.5 that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. So there is no one on the face of this earth today that stands as a mediator between us and God. There is no one that hears from God on our behalf. No apostles, no prophets, no evangelists, pastors, Bible teachers, whatever, pope, priest, no ministers, no bishops. There's one mediator and who stands on your behalf before God, and that is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Of course, Paul spoke to this subject in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The people of that time in the city of Cornworth were beginning to say things like, so-and-so is my pastor, and and I go to such-and-such church, and I follow this man or that woman's teachings, and I read all their books, right? But Paul said, now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So what I'm pointing out here this morning is as we see this with Moses and Aaron and we see the way that God is working, that's not the way it is today. That's not the way we live today. God hasn't established that type of order with us in the new covenant, in the New Testament, right? So indeed there are, God has, the Lord has place within the body of Christ, apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, but none of them are to be your Lord. None of them will hear from God for your sake. These people only exist in the body of Christ for the equipping of the saints, right? That to get people ready for service within the body of Christ. So so through the word of God, a a pastor or a Bible teacher or somebody like that can admonish you and uh, maybe unknowingly correct you and instruct you in righteousness, but they are nothing more than an unworthy servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who needs exactly what you need Sunday after Sunday. That's how I see what I do. I need exactly what everyone else needs. I'm part of the body. I need to hear the Word of God. I need to know the Word of God. I need to be refreshed in it. I need to be exhorted by others. So there's nobody that we are to place on a pedestal today in regards to our relationship with the Lord. Okay, So we now have access through the blood of Jesus Christ to come boldly to the throne of God. And again, Jesus is the only mediator. But, I know I'm long-winded about all that, but what I'm pointing out here again is that in the Old Testament, the way we're reading it now, this here, the way we see it happening, this is one of the ways in which God spoke in those days. This is how God worked. 
Remember, we saw last week where God said that he showed himself as El Shaddai to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But now he said that he was going to show himself as Yahweh to the children of Israel, those that were in captivity in Egypt. As time went by, of course, many, many years later, God would show himself again, but he would show himself one final time as God in the flesh, as Jesus Christ. Again, that's the only one we go through. That's the only way we go. But we can see in the Old Testament God working in different ways. He said, I showed myself as El Sadai. Now I'll show myself as Yahweh. People got to see him work in different ways, right? So keep in mind that what we're studying about here is the Old Testament times. We cannot bring this, this form of government or this form of order into the New Testament times, right? Verse 3 continues, And the Lord says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. Now, again, I'm going to be very redundant about this, but God is showing himself in a different way than he did in times past. To the children of Israel now, he's not going to show himself in the same way that he did to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because here, God wants his power to be on display. He wants his people to see him work mightily on their behalf. So in order to do this, he hardens Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh didn't know him, didn't believe in in the Lord before, but now Pharaoh's even going to dig his heels in even further in rebellion to God as he sees God work through this man Moses and his brother Aaron. Now, let me ask you all something here. I guess it's a rhetorical question, but do you think that this kind of thing happens on the earth today? That is, do you think that people, even though they can see the work of God, will still harden themselves to him? Right? Remember, the answer for Pharaoh would have been very simple. From our standpoint now, reading the story, the answer was very simple. Just listen to what Moses tells them and let his people go. Let God's people go. And Moses, again, remember, will be there as God standing before Pharaoh. Pharaoh's going to recognize that this is a man of God, that this is the work of God. So it's not as if Pharaoh really didn't know. And Pharaoh, all he had to do was simply obey the word of God. But even today, when people hear the word of God, when people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, many still dig in their heels in disbelief and disobedience because the world has a grip on them and they don't want to let go and they don't want to to be obedient to God. God has spoken and God is speaking to people in these last days. He is doing so through His holy word, the Bible. God's not going to speak in any other way. The gospel is still going forth into the world and people will still have the choice to repent and believe it or to remain dead in their sins and trespasses and not repent and not believe. Uh, They can either obediently fall in line today with the word of God or they can dig their heels in in defiance to the word of God and continue to live in the ways of this world which is like Egypt, which 
It's like in Egypt today, right? This is an individual choice. Each person must make their own choice in this matter. But people need to understand that their religion does not save them. Only their repentance and belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ will save them. As we look at our nation today as a whole, as we look at our government in these last days, it it has decided to me very blatantly to defy the word of God. And I believe that this nation, unfortunately, will pay the price for that defiance and for that disobedience. So what we're seeing here from Pharaoh is nothing strange. It's nothing that doesn't happen today. Right? But we also see in the Old Testament times as God spoke to his children, the children of Israel, in Second Chronicles chapter 7 where he said, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And I believe that this is every bit true for the people of God today that this applies to us as well who have come to God through Jesus Christ. We need to humble ourselves and pray. And we need to seek the Lord with all of our hearts and with all of our soul. We need to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and with all of our mind. We can't stand in these last days, we can't stand by and simply just accept everything that's going on around us. Something needs to be done. And, if, and I'm not talking about being an activist out in the street. I'm talking about praying. I'm talking about seeking the Lord's face ourselves as the body of Christ, as individuals within the body of Christ and letting the change begin with us and letting us be the ones that say, I'm not going to be defiant to the Word of God. I'm not going to be defiant to the way that the Lord is speaking to us today. The way he has spoken to us today, again, and I'm going to expound on this a little bit more, but the way he has spoken to us is through the word today, through the Bible, through through the word of God. But we, if we can put ourselves in Pharaoh's shoes, we can harden our hearts. We can allow ourselves to become hard toward God. But Pharaoh, we will see, again, he will just continue to stand in defiance to the word of God. Remember, Moses is as God before him, and Moses is speaking as God, and and Pharaoh is going to be defying God by defying the words that Moses speaks to him. But Pharaoh, verse 4, but Pharaoh will not heed you so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. So again, the Lord God here has a purpose in the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. God will show himself mighty as he brings his children out of this land. And you know, this reminds me of the future that awaits us as as God's people today. The Lord Jesus Christ, as God our Almighty, our Redeemer, our Deliverer, will one day pull all of His people out of this world and take us to the Promised Land, the New Jerusalem, as we studied about in Revelation. This is the job that Moses and Aaron were undertaking here, wasn't it? They were, through the working of God, they were 
pulling God's people out of bondage in Egypt and taking them to the promised land, to their homeland. Today, as we sit here on the earth as believers in Jesus Christ, the Lord is patiently waiting for all who will come to him to come and to be saved. He's not slack concerning his promise of returning, right? Concerning his promise of taking us to heaven, taking us to the promised land. He is simply long-suffering. It is not God's will that anyone would perish. He wants everyone to repent and to be born again of the Spirit in order that they might have eternal life. So we are still here preaching the gospel. That's what we should be doing. That's our role right now on this earth, is to preach the gospel. We live in a time where whosoever will can come to God. So we have this window of time right now where people need to hear. But unfortunately, many within the body of Christ have become complacent and have become just in self-seeking. And it's all about building what they have and having what they want and, you know, having their needs met and all of that. And the church is not reaching out. But again, we must keep in mind that this is, the, this is the time we live in where God's just waiting for people to be saved and He's wanting people to preach the gospel and to take the message out. Again, He's going to take us out of here. He's going to deliver us out of here and take us to the promised land. But today, this world, we as the body of Christ, today this world has a temporary hold on us right now. But one day, we will be brought out of this world by our Deliverer, Jesus Christ. You see, you really can, if you think about it, well, as I was studying this anyway, I was just kind of picturing Moses as a type of Jesus Christ. In other words, an example of Jesus on the earth, the, way, the things that Moses was doing at that time. And Aaron, to me, was kind of an example of the Holy Spirit. And I'll try to further explain this here. But Moses was the Deliverer the one that the Lord God chose to stand on behalf of his people. He was the mediator between God and man at that time. Moses was the mediator. Just as we now know that Jesus is our mediator between us and God. The people, right, the people of Israel, that is, they didn't deserve this deliverance. It was simply what a loving God chose to do for them because he loved them. This would be called God's grace. God sent Moses, his chosen one. But Moses really wasn't the one that was doing the speaking. It was Aaron that was doing the speaking. In these last days in which we now live, God has sent one man, the chosen one, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to be the deliverer, not just for Israel, but for all people, Gentiles as well as Jews. Jesus, like Moses, showed himself to his people. And initially, that was the Jewish people that Jesus came to as a Jew. He was king of the Jews, though they did not recognize him as such. Two weeks ago, we saw how the children of Israel weren't very happy to receive Moses. When he came and stood before Pharaoh on their behalf, they weren't very happy that Moses was there. When Jesus came and stood on behalf of his people, the Jews, they cried out, crucify him, 
crucify him. And ultimately they did. Now, of course, Moses wasn't killed, but nor was Moses the deliverer of the whole world. He was simply the deliverer for the physical bondage of the children of Israel. He was going to take them not to a permanent land, a permanent promised land, but to a temporary promised land. Jesus will come and get us and he will take us to an eternal homeland, right? Jesus is the deliverer for our souls, our spiritual bondage. Again, not just the Jew, but the Gentile also. He is the Savior of the world. He came as a result of God's grace. We receive Him and we by faith, through faith, and we walk in Him by faith all the way till the end. And the Holy Spirit is the one today through whom Jesus speaks. This is how and why I am comparing Aaron here to the Holy Spirit in this sense. Just in a, I'm not saying that he was. I'm just saying this is just kind of the picture that I got of that time. You see, the Holy Spirit speaks to us today through the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is the one that has inspired the Word of God to be written by men. I'll show you why I say that. Go ahead and mark this page and turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and looking down at verse 16. Very familiar verses to us all, I'm sure. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, keep that in mind, especially there, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, the Gospel of John. Again, these are all very familiar verses to all of us here. John chapter 14, and we'll look down at verse 26. It says, Jesus says here, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Okay, so keep that in mind as well. And we're going to turn back to 2 Peter chapter 1. I'll tie all these together. We're going to look at one more verse here. 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 19. And so... We have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, 
For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Okay, now let me try to put this together for you here. Script, the scriptures that we read, um, scripture, first of all, came as inspiration from God. We saw that. The Holy Spirit is whom God used to bring this inspiration to men that spoke and even wrote down what the Holy Spirit was telling them. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would do the speaking, right? And that he would bring us into remembrance of all that the Lord said and did. That was going to be the job of the Holy Spirit. He would bring us into remembrance of all that Jesus said and did. So, as I stated a few moments ago, the Holy Spirit is the one that inspired the Word of God to be written by men. So, as Moses was God's chosen for the children of Israel only, Jesus was God's chosen for all of mankind. As Aaron was the mouthpiece that God used on Moses' behalf, the Father God sent the Holy Spirit to speak in these last days through the written Word of God. So that's why I said earlier that you really can, if you think about it, kind of picture Moses as a type of Christ and Aaron as a type or an example of the Holy Spirit. But today, this is how God has spoken through Jesus Christ in these last days. And we have the Word of God today, the living Word. And we are to take heed to it and not dig in our heels and stand in defiance to it. We are to rather receive it and obey it and to live it out. And as we look back at Exodus chapter 7, picking it up in verse 6, then Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded them, so they did. Now it's real easy just to skip over, just to read a verse like that pretty quickly. But it's really important for us to see the strict adherence of Moses and Aaron to exactly what God told them to do. And it really is important for us today that we understand that we need to strictly adhere to what God has spoken to us today through His Word, the Holy Scriptures. We need to do exactly what God wants us to do. We need to live exactly the way God wants us to live. And verse 7 says, And Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron 83 years old, when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle for yourselves, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and let it become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they did so just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. So now pause right there for a moment, because if you remember, the first time that Moses and Aaron appeared before Pharaoh, it was to no avail, right? As a matter of fact, it had an adverse effect, didn't it? It, it didn't do any good. Pharaoh at that time only made things worse for the children of Israel. He made their 
work more hard, right? And, and almost impossible to do. And that came as a result of Moses and Aaron going in and speaking to him. There were no signs performed at that time when Moses and Aaron stood there. No, no miracles of any sort, right? As they made that appearance before Pharaoh. So now maybe Moses thinks that, if you put yourself in Moses' sandals, right? Maybe he thinks that this rod becoming a serpent would surely change the mind of Pharaoh. Like, there you go, Aaron, throw that down. Boom, that's it. It's, it's done, right? But verse 11 says, but Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, so the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. So the sorcerers and the magicians were all able to make their rods, their, their staffs, right, to, to become serpents as well. Um, they could imitate the signs of God. And you know, Satan does have the power to imitate God, but ultimately he will be swallowed up by the real truth. And we find that real truth today in the Word of God. Just as Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods, ultimately it's God that will have the victory. Let me take a few moments to show you something found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Go ahead and mark this page again. Turn to 2 Corinthians. Corinthians chapter 11. Here in this chapter, in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul is very concerned about these believers in the city of Corinth. There's something on his heart that that really concerns him about these people right now. He fears that they may be easily deceived away from the truth, right? And in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 11, he says to them, But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, I want to expound on this for a moment here. It's very easy today, even for those that profess faith in Jesus Christ, it's very easy to get deceived and to have our minds corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I took some time, actually, over the past few years, it's just something that's constantly on my mind, the simplicity that is in Christ and how easy it is to to get away from that. Again, Satan can imitate the things of God for now. And one day he will ultimately be done away with, but that has not happened yet. So it's important that we understand, and it's it's even more important that we live out the Word of God in our lives today. It's important that we look exactly at what God said, and we understand it, and we rightly divide it, so that we don't get deceived. Again, Paul had this concern for these believers, for these followers of Jesus Christ, that they would get deceived and they would turn away from that simplicity that is in Christ Jesus, right? 
Let's read on verse 4. Paul goes on and says, For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you have received a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you, you may well put up with it. So that was his concern. That's what Paul feared, that they might receive the counterfeit, the deception, and that they might be drawn away from simply following Jesus. In verse 4 here, you see three counterfeits. We see another Jesus in verse 4. We see a different spirit in verse 4 and a different gospel. And all of these things still exist in our modern society today. As a matter of fact, the counterfeits are even more abundant today. Today there are churches, men and women, that preach another Jesus. He's like your homeboy Jesus, right? Your financial advisor Jesus. Your health and wealth Jesus. Your just make me happy Jesus. And they preach many different gospels today. And follow many different spirits today. And all of these are counterfeits. And you don't have to fall for it. But you will if you're not rooted and grounded in the simplicity that is in Christ. And and it's found within the Word of God. It's the way that God has spoken to us in these last days. It's through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we just need to stay focused on Him and His will for our lives. Again, the counterfeits keep increasing. I'm amazed at what I'm seeing today within the churches and what churches are, are, are doing. You know, I think I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, the grave sucking, you know. These people are going and laying on graves and trying to get the, the, what, the knowledge of C.S. Lewis out of his grave and, and into them. And this is a big popular church today, you know, that's exploding. You know, and people are just falling for the counterfeits rather than just holding on to the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. We can't follow the traditions of men. We can't follow the doctrines of men. And that's why I'm taking that's why I took that time earlier to point out that there's one God and one mediator between God and man. That's the man, Jesus Christ. We can't come up with our own forms of government and religion and all that and say, I'm a pastor, I stand between you and God, I hear from God and I'll tell you what God says. That's the traditions of men, right? We, we can't do that. We can't follow that kind of stuff, right? Jesus is how God has spoken to us in these last days. And we, through the work of the Holy Spirit, have the will of God plainly in front of our faces in in, in the Holy Scriptures, right? So be aware of the counterfeit. And the more that you study the truth, the more you rightly divide the Word of God within your own heart, the more you will be able to easily spot the counterfeit when it appears. Because ultimately, truth always swallows up the lie, like we see with Aaron's rod. Truth ultimately swallows up the lie, but we must remain in the truth. And Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Okay. And as we turn back to Exodus chapter 7, in verse 14 of Exodus chapter 7, 
goes on to say, So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. So go to Pharaoh in the morning when he goes out to the water, and you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him. And the rod which was turned to a serpent you shall take in your hand. And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now you would not hear. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that are in the river shall die. The river shall stink, and the Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. So here Pharaoh, in a sense as Moses stood before him by the water, and as he met him here, Pharaoh was getting another chance. And if Pharaoh was a wise leader, he would know not to fight against God. He would know not to fight against the Word of God. How many chances does a nation get? More importantly, how many chances does a man get? The more a nation's leaders reject God, the more a man rejects God, the harder and harder his heart gets, and the more the world has a grip on that man or that nation. You would think that if something happens to the water supply here that Pharaoh would repent and he would cry out for forgiveness. But that's not going to be the case here. And the same is still unfolding day after day today in the hearts of men and women. They keep hardening their hearts toward the Word of God. No matter how much God shows them His judgments, people keep hardening hardening their hearts. Verse 19 continues, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your rod and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams, over their rivers, over their ponds, and over all their pools of water, that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood and pitchers of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded So he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. The fish that were in the river dried, the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river, so there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Then the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither was his heart moved by this. So all the Egyptians dug around the river for water to drink because they could not drink the water of the river. And seven days passed after the Lord had struck the river. So we're really getting a clear picture in all of this right now of a God that is working mightily on behalf of of his people, and a man that is calloused to the work of God. Two men, Moses and Aaron, are obedient to God. One man, Pharaoh, is disobedient to God. A people group, the children of Israel, are seeing just how much God loves them and to what lengths he will go to redeem them from their bondage. And for you and me today, 
there is a very clear picture of how much God has loved all of mankind in sending His only begotten Son to redeem us. He went to great lengths to redeem us. His Holy Spirit is very clearly reaching out today to the hearts of men and women. He is called the Spirit of Truth. The Word of God is truth, and the Word of God is how the Holy Spirit speaks out to people today. That's why it's important that we know the Word of God, that we rightly divide the Word of God, but that we also take the Word of God to others, and we allow the power of the Word of God to work in their lives. Can they harden their hearts toward it? Yes, they can. Can they ignore it? Yes, they can. But our job is to take it there. We are to be like Moses and Aaron and simply be obedient to all that the Word of God commands us. Right? That is to live out His holy Word in our daily lives and to share that gospel that is found in the pages of Scripture. And don't move away from the simplicity that is in Christ. But... If we don't read the Word of God for ourselves, or if we allow there to be another mediator in our lives other than Jesus, right? Or if we are being deceived by a counterfeit, counterfeit presentation of Jesus, a different Jesus, another Jesus, a, a different spirit, a different gospel, then we will never have the experience of knowing the truth and seeing the truth swallow up the lie. The only way we can do that is to hold on to the Word of God. All right? We must keep our minds focused on the Word of God. The Word, of course, became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word that indwells you today by the Holy Spirit who speaks to you through the Holy Word. Because this is the only way that you can keep your heart, your mind from not becoming hard toward God. Right? The more you study the counterfeit, the more you look at the Word, the more your mind is fixed on that, the easier it is to become callous toward the truth and to be blinded by the lie. So obedience does matter. It does matter that we are not just hearers of the Word, but that we are doers of the Word. On a daily basis, we must humble ourselves. We must pray and we must seek the Lord. And the Lord will forgive our sins. He will heal our land, right? And He will work mightily in our lives by His Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You again for Your Word. Thank You for the opportunity to gather. I just pray, God, that by your Spirit you will continue to work in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, and that, that we by faith, Lord, would, would walk in obedience to what we read in your Word, to what we see in your Word, Lord, and that we would not be easily distracted, that we would not be deceived, just as the Apostle Paul was concerned, Lord, for the Corinthians, that they would be deceived, taken away from the simplicity that is in you. Lord, may we remain in you. May we fix our eyes on you. The author and the finisher of our faith. May we continue to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you. And may we step out by faith and share who you are and what you've done and what you're doing in our lives with others, Lord. Those around us that need you. 
May we become a people of prayer, a people of love that will reach out to others. Lord, we can look at Moses and Aaron and we can see their obedience. We can see your love for the people and the way you worked through Moses and Aaron to reach out. But we know that there's a world that we battle against. There's an Egypt, not in the literal sense, but there's this world, Lord, that can be represented by Egypt in these scriptures, Lord, that we battle against, that we fight against. It works against the Word of God. It stands in defiance of the Word of God. But we are your people called by your name. So, Lord, may we humble ourselves. May we seek your face. May we as individuals desire to know you, desire to be obedient to you in our lives on a daily basis. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray your kingdom come, Lord. God, pour out your spirit and work within our hearts, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.